0: Welcome to Delving Into Draft. My name's Steve and I'm one of your hosts. Joining me this week is... Craig! This is episode 18. Now let's do a round-up of how to get in touch with us. Our main portal call is delvingintodraft.tumblr.com and we're also on Facebook as Delving Into Draft and we've got an email which is Draft at gmail.com and finally, if you want to get in touch with Craig you can get him on Twitter as ravak. And there's underscore Craig.
1: Yeah, Ralak right yeah. underscore.
0: So you can tell I don't get in touch with it very often on Twitter, do I? <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Steve did the intro. Congratulations! <laughs> Yay!
1: <laughs> right, let <laughs> us jump uh, into the news and talk about Grand Prix uh, Yokohama, which was last weekend. It was great crash Seal deck and booster draft, uh, the winner of that was Masayaki Tayama. Mm. So he was the winner. Congratulations to him. Can people please get easier names you sure to pronounce? She sure said. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so saying we're recording a little bit later than usual, I can say Grand Prix Verona was this weekend in Italy and the format for that was standard and the winner for that was uh, Mike Krasnitsky. And also Grand Prix Rio de Janeiro was this weekend. It was also standard, and Jose Francisco Silva won that one. So congratulations to all three winners.
0: Yay, congratulations, guys.
1: Um the Magic Online Championship is potentially not something you've heard of, but there's been uh qualifiers for it uh over the last year, I would be guessing. I'm pretty sure it's an annual event. Um, it's basically a bit of a pro tour for the Magic Online community and best 16 players or at least the 16 winners of the qualifiers. Um, this is happening on March the 22nd and 23rd at PAX East, which is going to take place in Boston, Massachusetts in the United States. The winner of the Magic Online Championship will go to the Magic World Championship. It's very confusing because they're very similar names. <laughs> uh, they'll go to the Magic World Championship in Amsterdam, which is starting uh, July the 31st. So Magic Online Championship is the, arguably the best 16 players from Magic Online in the last year. The winner of that will go into the best, uh, into the Magic World Championship, which is arguably the best 16 players of Magic in the last year. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's all happening March 22nd, 23rd. Um, Also, on Magic Online, there's quite a lot of Magic Online news, uh, actually. Grand Prix trials are going to be trialed on magic online uh they want to see how popular basically grand prix trials will be so they're going to run a single grand prix trial on magic online for gp portland that's uh may the 10th to 12th and the grand prix trial will start at 10 a.m pacific time on april the 6th and because it's uh a modern gp it will be a modern format for the trial cool Continuing on Magic Online. Uh, <laughs> Wizards are planning to start handing out promotional codes, which you can redeem on Magic Online. Um, they were basically saying in their announcement that they want to try to get paper and digital magic a bit more interlinked, which may mean in future booster packs or other product, we may start seeing codes to then redeem cars on Magic Online, possibly. Not sure, I mean, right? nothing was concretely said, but I'll, I'll admit, when Magic Online first came out, well back in the day, I thought that if you bought a booster, then there was this, there's this little code on boosters, There's the, or at least there was, little letters, which I'm not sure what it stands for, it's probably like batch number or something like that. But I used mm. to think that was a code which you could redeem a Magic and then you get the content of your physical booster as a digital booster on Magic Online. Yeah, that'd be cool. Now, I was young and foolish but <laughs> who knows, maybe they will do something similar, where, say, you buy a booster pack and maybe you can just get a random card? Or maybe if maybe. you buy an intro pack because you're spending so much money on a fixed product, maybe you can redeem a booster pack, on, uh, a the yeah. starter pack. On that. I mean, I don't no idea how this is going to go. They've not specifically said what they're doing with us. I mean, it may just be the case that if you go to one of their events, like uh GP, you get a code and then you can redeem some card. On that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it might be that so sort of more like that sort of line of thing.
1: Yeah. So uh, no idea what's, what's going to happen. However, they have announced their first promotional code. Mm-hmm. So the first promotional code is MTGO, all in capitals, then code launch, capital C, capital L, and that's all one word. And you can go on the beta client into your card collection, or whatever the TAPS code, I can't remember off the top of my head, there will be an option there to enter the code, and if you type in MTGO Code Launch, then you will get the Thursday Night Magic Online promo Avacyn's Pilgrim. Woohoo! <laughs> Maybe not uh, the most exciting thing ever,
0: but... That's it's, alright. We would Pilgrim—we Pilgrim. He's the guy that makes a white man, isn't he? He's like a...
1: Yes. He's a lot of war elf, but... Human. He's and, green and he generates white, yeah. Yeah. Um... Now, there is a slight restriction on this. You, this You can redeem this from the Mar- March 13th downtime until the March 20th downtime, roughly. Mm. So if you look to this any time between March 13th, 2013 and March 20th, 2013, then enter MTGO code launch, and you should get this Avacyn's Pilgrim. Fingers crossed. Everything working okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is that. Last part for Magic Online. Magic Online trading, somewhat famously that you can only trade 75 cards at a time. They're upping the limit to 400.
0: Nice. Now, That's, sorry. No, it's just because I was thinking there's a lot of times you want to get clear of a lot of commons or there's other times where you're trading your tickets for a lot of commons. See, see if it's like 100, there's there's bots and people that will trade 100 Commons for a ticket, and having to break down those trades is just a bit frustrating sometimes. When you can only do seventy-five.
1: I'm glad you have some input there because I don't really do magic online, so <laughs> I didn't have anything to say. But I just thought I'd mention that because I'm pretty sure that will be important to some people.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, I think that's all. Lots of magic online news, but that is all the magic online news, and that is all the news. Ooh. So let us move on to The that card. Cool. I'm unprepared, so feel free to go first.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. I have a card in front of me. Okay, ducks. <laughs> oh, that. Oh dear. Right. Okay. Okay. I just picked one. i just reached behind me and I picked one off the table, and so I'll take whichever one I get.
1: Seven gas. It's not that good.
0: Well, it's maybe not that good. uh name that card. Name that card one. But we'll see. I'll explain my hesitation later. Okay. Without giving away too much, okay. But as it stands, I'm going to start with the artist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we are uh, we have a nice picture here drawn by Thomas, hmm. Thomas or Thomas? His his name is like Thomas, but with a Z at the end, so it's like Thomas Fedruszek. I should have picked a different guy, shouldn't I? Thomas you know, It could be like you I would just say, if you're going to <laughs> yeah.
1: decide to pronounce what... you know, If you're going to go for artist as a clue, it's a yeah. good idea to be able to pronounce the artist's name. <laughs> yeah, I know.
0: It's okay. That, that's, that is my cryptic clue to begin with.
1: That was no use whatsoever. <laughs> I will be quite honest.
0: Okay, I'm sorry, Thomas for not being a prince, your name. Okay. The uh, this card was copyrighted oh, in 2013 by Wizards of the Coast. Uh, i And sorry, what's what's the number after that? <clears throat> no, I'm not doing that. Not oh. I can't do that. Uh, okay, I'll give you a real clue. I'll give you a real clue.
1: <laughs> Thank the Lord.
0: <laughs> this is a gate crash card.
1: I will come over there and be your face. <laughs> If you do not get to plop proper clues quickly.
0: <laughs> okay. It, it has a guild symbol behind the text. Okay.
2: Guild, and the guild
0: symbol is Simic.
1: Okay. That does limit it significantly, but anything, I guess, would be a wild guess.
0: Okay, okay. Hmm. Now... Where do we go from here, though? Is the question. Okay, this creature has evolve. Okay,
1: well we narrowed it down to an evolving creature. Um, I uh, may as well have a guess. Um, Merfolk of the depths. Is no, it deep. Depths? It is
0: not. Uh, I think is, de- depth.
1: Depth. Can't remember now. Actually.
0: Depth. Yeah.
1: Okay. So it's not that.
0: No, it's not that okay, okay. it has the number four in its casting cost
1: four and cynic four and cynic is it oh no, the name's just gone for me adaptive ah uh, snapjaw yes, it is
0: boom.
2: <laughs>
1: I was straining to remember the name there. I was like, yeah. it's it's the 6-2. What's it called again?
0: Yeah. I was like, I picked up picked up the card and went, like, this is like Craig's favourite card. <laughs> I think it, it's,
1: it's a key card for Simic, in my opinion,
0: yeah. Yeah. I was looking at all the bits and I'm going, well, you'll probably get it off the flavour text, which is, eh, needs more toad. I don't know, I'm not sure, but, <laughs> yeah. And after that we just had the name and creature type. Because if it said it was a 6-2, it would definitely have given it away. Ah, uh, yeah, it is the only 6-2 kicking around. Okay. Okay, so you got that in pretty short order. Yeah, right. Well um, done, Craig, well done.
1: Well, I will do the clues in the same order you gave them to me. Okay, okay. So, Mark Zug, who, who I can clearly pronounce, is the artist for this card.
0: Oh, I really like Mark Zug. Uh... Oh.
1: And before you guess, (laughs) it is uh, TM and copyright 2013 Wizards of the Coast.
0: Okay. I will go for... Nothing. (laughs)
1: That's probably a wise choice. Mm -hmm. Now, as a bonus, for guessing nothing, I'll tell you it's a crash card.
0: Fine, thank you, sir.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um... (laughs) Actually, I think I can just give you, okay, this card has a watermark. Right. It is for the Orsoff Syndicate.
0: Nice. Want to guess, or should I give you another clue? Um, Well, I suppose I could take a guess. What what harm can it do? I'll say Executioner's Swing.
1: It is not Executioner's Swing.
0: Okay then. I feel I may
1: require another clue. In which case, here is your other clue. This creature has extort. Oh, now we're narrowing it down. I thought it narrowed it down just like you did, so there you go. Yeah, it's that a-
0: is quite narrow. So, hmm. So, we've got Syndic Tithes, we've got the Flyer, the Tutu, I keep on calling him a Chimney imp but he's not he's a pet, isn't he? The Kingpin's pet. Uh we've got what else we've we got this got like Stark. There's the defender. The one four defender Get basilica guards and basilica's creature. God there's quite a few. Uh Ugh, oh, I'll go for the the pet, the Kingpin's pet. It is Kingpin's pet. Yes!
2: Yes! In
0: your face! In your face, Craig! <laughs>
1: You, you do realize you guessed it the same as as quickly as I did.
0: Yeah, I know, but it feels better. At least I didn't get beat. Oh, <laughs> well, this is true. This is true. Yay! Ah oh, dear, where where does that put us on the scores? I don't actually know. We're we we drew last week, didn't we? So yeah, we did. So we're we're two and two. <laughs> Oh, my word.
1: Wow, well, we're keeping this neck and neck this time.
0: Congratulations. Why, thank you.
1: Right, um, shall we move on to our topic, then? After yeah. That must her- I- be the shortest name of that card we've ever done.
0: I know, I know. And with such rubbish clues, as well. Actually, do you want to do a second? Okay. Okay, if, you, if you're feeling... In the mood you were, well, a
1: that, that was over so quickly, I really wanna, I want it to last a little bit longer,
0: so. Okay, I'll spin it out some more.
1: Yeah. Do you wanna start, or shall I? Ooh, I think you should go first this time, Craig. Okay, let's see, what do I like the look of? All right, okay. I think I may just do this in the same way as I did before, so um... Slovomir Maniac is the artist of this card. Right. <laughs> I'm not quite sure if I pronounce his name right, but I'm I'm not going to dwell on that. Yeah. It is a creature. Mm hmm And one of its two subtypes is wizard.
0: Ah, right. So, could be a few things. (laughs) Uh, There's one of the... Guild Leaders is a wizard, isn't it? The Prime Speaker Zagana is a Merfolk wizard. I got one of them the other day. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was nice. Don't know what the artist was for that. But I'm going to say Prime Speaker Zagana. Based on Wizard. It is not
1: Prime Speaker Zagana. Hmm. This wizard.
0: Mm-hmm. Is a 1-1. A 1-1 Wizard. Is it Realm right? Damn it! <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is Realm right, yeah.
0: Yay! Uh, that, you, actually, you narrowed it down quite
1: a lot there by saying I, it's a one, one, one wizard. I wasn't sure whether to go for that or the flavour text. Or, actually, I probably should have just told you it was of a Dolken wizard.
0: Yeah. But I, I think, don't know yeah, if I would have narrowed it as well. If you'd gone flavour text or something else, I would have probably guessed at a guild mage. <sighs> Curses. You know, I was was thinking Demir Guildmage after that, I was like,
1: ugh. Oh
0: So what what, what was that we got to? We got... Uh, uh, Artists. Artists, it's a creature, creature types. And
1: and parent of us. I'd say that's like four clues. That's quite a lot. Artists, type, subtype, parent of us.
0: Mm. Okay, okay. So I will... Are find we, a, good, wait, find we, a
1: good one I'm just wondering are we does this mean we score double like could, could we could we go up to three three here
0: we. <laughs> we could okay yeah or, or is this just to settle tonight's scores well I want to say no because I don't
1: think I'm gonna guess whatever you're gonna say next that quickly <laughs> but
0: I don't know right okay I've gotta find something particularly horrible
1: oh thanks <laughs> so this is from odyssey and <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> I've done that before. You have? Wouldn't, wouldn't do that twice. So, what do you want first?
1: <laughs> we started off with artist. That's why, why, why break a tradition?
0: Okay, so we have got Seb McKinnon.
1: Seb McKinnon is not a name I recognise. I do apologise, Seb. Mm. You're gonna have to give me a little more.
0: Okay. It is a creature.
1: Nah, this doesn't really narrow it down no. that well. no. So then where did we go from there? Uh, I went to one of the subtypes mm. So it depends if it has more than one subtype
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm going to skip on that because it would give it away too easily, I think I okay. really think it would So I'll go for power and toughness So this is a
1: 2-2 Well, um, all the guild majors, clearly there's quite a few tutus and boros I can think of. Mm. Um, the mentioned Kingpin's Pet. Although I really doubt you'd go for the same thing again. <laughs> also, different artist, so I know you haven't. That's, that's yeah. an important point. Um, I would just go for True
0: Fire Paladin. It is not a True Fire Paladin, right? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say for this one, it has no guild symbol.
1: Okay, so that rules out all the guild majors. Okay, it's a two, so it's a two-two creature which is unaffiliated with a guild. Yeah. Um,
0: Court Street denizen? Mm, Nope. Uh, we have flying.
1: Two-two flyer. Um. Hmm. Well the two two flyers I can think of are guild affiliated. Um
0: That's because you're thinking of the ones you would actually play, Craig. A two two flyer I wouldn't play.
2: Hmm.
1: What on earth would I not play for two two? Um the Sword Griffin to two three and I'd play it. Um wait, wait, no, no, Crypgas doesn't have flying. There's a two two. Uh, i don't know who'd play that because I play that of the g p uh i can't even think of a valid choice oh okay. wait 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 <laughs> no, too, no no uh uh, uh oh millennial gargoyle.
0: Yes, that's it. Yeah! <laughs> but they're eventually <about> <laughs> agonising noises. Ooh, 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 ah,
1: ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking, and then it's just like, I can't think of anything. And then I thought, yeah. the armour transport. No, wait, that's not a flyer. Wait, is there a flyer? There's a flyer artefact.
0: Yes. <laughs> I was wanting to give you the creature type, but creature type is gargoyle. I was like, that might just give it away.
1: Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think it could be the only gargoyle, let's be honest.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would, no, I, yeah, that's a good point. I would not play Millennial Gargoyle.
0: Mm. I played it once. It wasn't too bad, actually. It's, it's more of an advantage than you realise being able to play something which doesn't have any mana restriction hmm. when you're potentially playing three colours, you know. It's actually, it makes it feel so free. Admittedly, you're paying four mana for a 2-2, though. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah.
1: So, you just said that it's not a card I would probably play. This is true. Yep. Which nicely segues into our topic, doesn't it?
0: It's almost as if I planned it, Craig. Fantastic. Um, Seamless.
1: So, back in episode seven, uh, if people remember, we spoke about the worst cards in Return to Vanquish Limited, and there were plenty to choose from. And uh, we decided to form this not just. There's no point just going on and berating them because anybody can just have a, a go at bad cards. It's pretty easy to do. A lot of them are designed that way, so it's not like we're having go wizards or anything like that. But we came up with a slightly novel way of going about it because, as we say, it's easy to insult cards. It's a lot harder when you have to defend bad cards. So what we did last time and what we're going to do again, except for this time on Gate Crash, one person is going to have to defend a bad card and tell us why it's good. And then the other person will get the easy job of just braiding it. Yay. Um, so, did, well, am I right in thinking last time we suggested cards for other people to defend?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I think you give give uh, your opponent the,
1: uh... <laughs> I'm the opponent now, I see.
0: Yeah, well, it's either that or the enemy.
1: <laughs> I'll take opponent, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If we give each other challenges i suppose
1: okay so th- so yeah thinking on our feet this is this is going to be fun okay um
0: who's starting i will... i'll start Craig. I'll, i i'll start or like i'll i'll take your nomination
1: okay um yeah. my nomination we've got a list of choices and i'm oh wait i'm, I'm afraid i'm good no, actually, that, that's too easy picking the one you really hate. <laughs> and that's potentially a bit too cruel. Um, Crackling Perimeter. Hmm. Crackling Perimeter. Let me find that card. It's a red one to do with the gates, isn't it? Yeah, so Crackling Perimeter, it's one and one red. It is enchantment. It is uncommon. And it says, tap an untapped gate you control. Crackling Perimeter deals one damage to each opponent.
0: Right, this one is straight up easy to defend, Craig. Obviously what you do is because nobody likes these, you're obviously gonna get a lot of them. So you could easily get three or four of these. You realize it's uncommon. Yeah, but you know, how many packs get opened at a draft? Twenty odds uh twenty four. Twenty four packs. There's gonna be two or three of these kicking about in your draft pool, probably. You know? And if not, you've not really hurt yourself by picking them up. So, you just say, Ah oh, look, there's a crackling perimeter as you're going about the draft, right? Every time you see one, pick it up, put it in your collection, put it in your collection, make your wee pile. And then, when time comes to make your deck, just look at how many crackling perimeters you've put in your in your pile. And if you've got three or four, just say, right, that's it. All my land... Oh, no, you have to pick up all the gates as well, Craig. <laughs> you pick up every gate you see as well. I would <laughs> say um, that was a bit important. Nobody else at the table gets gates. And, uh, so you're sitting there with about ten of your land being gates, and you play as many crackling perimeters as you can get your hands on, and then all you need to do is tap gates for damage. I mean, I can't see a downside, Craig. That is fantastic, isn't it? I just tap my land to do damage. Oh, look, tap land to do damage. Oh, oh, have another damage. Oh, oh, you see it?
1: Okay, right. Where to start on this one? Um... So the first thing is, you're going to need to draft a quantity of them as you've already stated. Now, it's uncommon, which means you're opening 72 uncommons, there's 80 uncommons of memory serves, which means on average you're going to see less than one crackling perimeter. So you to make this a deck, you need more than one for a start. You're probably right, you probably need about three, so good luck when the odds are stacked against you even getting the one. Then you need to get all the gates. Now, Gates aren't first pickable, uh, well, unless you're, um, I'm not sure what you're doing if you're first picking it. You're probably trying to play the Crackling Perimeter deck, let's be honest. (laughs) Gates do go relatively mid-pack. I mean, I suppose if you're literally picking up all the gates, you'll get all the gates. But then you're just getting none of the top half playables in any booster pack. So your deck is going to be filled with rubbish and Crackling Perimeter, which is rubbish, and all your gates, which come out tapped. And then, even if you do, say, get a Crackling Perimeter to play turn three, because that's the first time you're actually going to have enough mana with your gates, then you're doing nothing for the rest of the game, because all you're doing is you're tapping out, effectively, all your mana, by tapping your gates, to do damage. And, okay, so you do three damage the first turn, and four damage the next turn. That's nice when your opponent is just swinging in with nothing defending you. And you're going to die a lot quicker than your crackling perimeters are going to last.
0: Right. Okay, I've got another scenario then, Craig. How about you just draft a normal, fairly aggressive red-based deck and you've picked up a crackling perimeter or two, and uh, you've also maybe got five gates in your deck. How How many gates would you actually need to make crackling perimeter decent? I mean, how much damage do you want? I mean, do you want two damage for free every turn? Do you want Three damage for free every turn? Is one damage? I mean, is a one damage pinger? Is that good enough? I mean, I I mean, I wouldn't be complaining at pinging your opponent for one damage every turn. I mean, people play Razorvine. Is it Razorvine Whip?
1: Uh, People probably shouldn't, but
0: well, they do, and it's it's not terrible if you're playing that kind of grindy deck. And uh, yeah, I, I I think that that you could probably get some damage in. (laughs) <laughs> okay. crackling so I've got a key question. Even, even, without, even without slanting your deck
1: entirely. I've got a very important question. Now, you said if you're playing red, I need to ask, are you playing Boros or Gruul? Either. Okay. Because I can answer this in two separate ways. Because with Boros, if you're playing five gates, you're doing it wrong. Boros wants to come out quick. And colour fixing is nice but not that necessary. Like, if you're putting five gates in, you're really hampering the speed of your Boros deck, and speed is one of the integral elements. It's a very integral element next to Battalion in a Boros deck. If you're playing gate, 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 sure, you can play any card you want, but you're also definitely a turn behind, and that could be crucial. Depending on what you're playing afterwards. Especially if you're going gate, gate. Then when you play your third gate, you're also playing crackling perimeter. That means you're not actually getting three creatures aboard till turn five. That is devastating for the Boris deck. Now, the cruel deck, it's a bit better, because you don't have to come out quite so quick. And... it's harder to insult. But, and honestly answering your question... <sighs> Four or five may be right, but there is another. Imp- I, I'm, a, I'm starting to move into the defence of defending the Crackling Perimeter here. Gru also works better because of one other key card, which is the uh, Gates Side Watcher. No, what's Boy, it called? Yeah. The, it's the the green which untaps gates. Yeah, is I don't that know what you're talking about? The, um,
0: it's like an Arbor Elf, but isn't it? Is it a Green Side Watcher? Green,
1: green Side, side Watcher, sorry, yeah, Green yeah. Side Watcher. Yeah, now if you got those plus Crackling Perimeter plus a number of gates. That's where Crackling Perimeter possibly becomes playable. But again, remember, if you're actually tapping gates for damage, you're not getting the mana.
0: Okay, fair enough. But what you've got to remember is when you're drafting, you're not always going to get the pure Boros deck or the pure Gruul deck. Quite often you'll end up with some kind of uh, three-mana, three-colour kind of conglomeration of stuff. And usually it's based on, well, I picked up a lot of removal, and black. I've got a lot of good black removal a lot of good white removal and some good red removal, so I've got this kind of red based removal deck with stuff, and you need your mana fixing, you need your, your gates for that sort of thing, and Crackling perimeter can be deployed to your advantage when, okay. when you're in that situation.
1: Right, in which case, let's talk of Borzolf so that's playing black, white and red like you just mentioned I would rather tap my gate to do extort damage because that does one damage and heals me for one than playing crackling perimeter.
0: Crackling perimeter is a nice cheap spell. If you're if you're playing extort, you can quite easily activate it using your crackling perimeter. And like you know you know yourself you're not gonna always be able to cast a spell to activate extort and this does it without using up a card every turn. No.
1: no, I would rather play some other two draw. (laughs) <laughs> if we're talking about Boros and Gruul, Bor Bor Gruul, Gruul's off, Gruul's off. I, 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 I know, not to Gruul's off. It's Gruol, Gruol's. Oh, anyway, I I know what you're talking about. Boros off is the only correct three t- guild term we should, anyways, use. Um, again, if you're playing Boros and Gruul, you want to be quick like Boros, and you get the extra punching power. Of Gruul. You don't want to play Crackling Permitter. If you're playing Gruul and Simic, um, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> See,
0: I'm trying I'm trying to move I sound, it. I sound like I've actually convinced you slightly, Craig.
1: No, I'm I am i I'm merely trying to move into the middle ground and try to justify it as best as I can whilst not being silly about it, like you are, because I force you to. I'm
0: not being i I'm not being silly at all. I think you know that's a re- legitimate way of doing damage. No. <laughs> just, <laughs> just 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 no. It's gonna happen, Craig. I'm gonna do it now.
1: <laughs> Right, so, in all seriousness. Yeah. Okay. Well. No, crackling nah. perimeter, no. Let's be, let's be honest. I mean, the best case scenario, it's possibly in your gruel simic, I've got lots of gates deck. I think it's the best place for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I just think the format's just too fast for it. Like, like, um, you're going to be overrun by, Faster decks when you're trying to play this and then get some form of damage in with it, you know? And yeah. like you say, you're, you're using up other resources to use it, you know, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's a really harsh thing about it is that you are losing mana to do one damage. Yeah. Which isn't a bad conversion rate, but uh, you want Especially, to be, you want yeah. to be doing something other, other stuff with your mana for sure. Yeah. And you're pro, and in some ways you're probably tapping your gates Re, like your gates are probably getting tapped because you need to like you're stretching across two or three colors, so you need the gates just because that's where your mana is for those mm. colors um, yeah it's just it's not good
0: yeah it's not great, but like like you say I think it maybe has a place in the gruel ramp deck where you've got those green side watcher guys, and then you've got a way you've got a way of closing up the game with it, i suppose you know
1: yeah your your green side watchers um. Yeah, you're crackling perimeters and lots of gates, but then if you're trying to draft that, you're possibly, you're probably drafting it over better cards.
0: Yeah, it's an uncommon, I suppose so. But, ach,
1: well. Uh, and yeah, the other key problem is you, you need a number of these to make it worthwhile. And on average, you're getting less than one in an entire draft. And that's assuming nobody else picks it up randomly for some other reason. In which case, <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if somebody just picks, if, if the, like, if somebody's just looking at, like, their eighth, their seventh pick or something like that, and they're just going, um, okay, the tracking Perimeter may do something. <laughs> I mean, and then you get the eighth pick choice. It's gone. So, yeah, I mean, it's just not viable. It's hmm. not a viable strategy, at all.
0: Ah, uh, I, I kinda, I still feel like I wanna do it, Craig. This is just something the way you've... F- something drawn me towards it, you know.
1: It's because you've had to defend it that you, you, you've had to take on the persona yeah, of a person who likes it.
0: It feels personal now.
1: <laughs> you, you, you're just becoming a Timmy who wants to go, Crackling perimeter! Oh, wow, look what I can do with this! And I'm yes. just coming along as like the spike slapping you in the face, going, no kid.
0: Okay, okay. It's your turn now, Craig. It is my turn. What yeah. punishment awaits me? Right. Hmm... I would like you to defend, hmm, Contaminated Ground. Oh,
1: I suppose bold choices are bad here, but...
0: <laughs> oh, shall I read out what Contaminated Ground does? You can indeed. Okay. Right, Contaminated Ground is a black card. It's an enchantment, and it costs two mana, one in a black. It's an enchant land. Enchanted land is a swamp. And whenever Enchanted Land becomes tapped, its controller loses two lives.
1: Okay, so Contaminated Ground is quite cheap to mana. It's a common. You can get a number of these. And then what you do, you put them all in your deck and you really screw with your opponent's mana base. Now, this does work better against someone who's going for a lot of colours or um, drafted a lot of gates. Or both. Because you... Uh, Well, you know, they're they're playing a couple of colors, and and both colors are probably integral to their deck. You slap this on, you know, the one island they've got, and they've got all their lovely, you know, forests as well. They've got three forests, that's fine. You put it on the one island they really, really need. Well, that island is no longer an island, it's a swamp. (laughs) Okay, so they can't get that blue mana. Now, say they still want to play their uh, four drop. Well, they can use their three green and that swamp, and they can tap for mana, and then they lose two life. Uh, they, they sometimes, you know, they're, they're thinking to themselves, well, oh, taking two damage, getting my creature out, this seems this doesn't seem like a terrible idea. And you're in black, the colour of removal, so they play their creature, they take two damage, you remove their creature and extort them potentially, and they take more damage, and they've gained nothing. <laughs> now, you've got a number of Grounds, so let's also take the scenario, they've got gates. Now, as I previously said, gates are integral to a multicoloured deck, because that's the easiest way to get all oh, your colours, and chances are you're Really looking forward to getting your gate, because then you've got the access to the extra colour, or colours which you don't have. And then you put that contaminated ground on the gate. Now, they can still tap for their two colours, because it's a gate which, it, which, it has a different ability. Their, the tap ability to get mana is part of the card. It's not, a, it's not something to do with what type it is. So getting a swamp actually means they can also tap it for black. Maybe you've benefited them. Probably not, because if they tap it for any mana, whether it's the two colours that Gate provides or the swamp mana you've randomly given them, they're gonna lose two lives. And again, they're gonna to need to tap those swamps. Why? Because they need those colours. And then again, you're possibly gonna remove the creature, you can cast, you could, actually, contaminated ground, two mana, extort, beautiful combo. <laughs> I just wanna put that in there. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just a nice way of, if you get enough of them out as well, then all you can do is tap for black, and if they're not playing in black, then that really hurts. And even if they are playing black, it's going to really hurt for them to cast anything because they're losing two life a turn. It's not going to take terribly long before they're at a really critical position. I mean, they're not going to kill themselves with this, let's be honest here. But they're going to put themselves in a really precarious position really quickly. Contaminated ground. It's amazing. Oh, also, also, <laughs> also, important part, the artwork's pretty pretty.
0: Yeah, I'll give you that.
1: Yeah. Christine Choi, good work.
0: Okay, so where do we start here, Craig? I'm going to start with the flavour text. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. The flavour text says, no one cares about pollution. See, they should have just stopped. Well, it says a little bit more than that until they can see it, they say. But they should have stopped. They should have said, no one cares. Because that is how everyone feels about this card, Craig. Even if you get it down, like turn two on their first land that they play, or, yeah, on their first land, if you get it down on that and they need the mana, they're just going to tap it and get whatever is they want to get into play and just take the hit. They're not going to care about that two points of damage. You've spent your second turn, or whenever it was, and a card, don't forget, putting this enchantment on one of their lands, and uh, in return they're going to take two damage, fair enough, and get a creature. And then in subsequent turns, that creature's going to be doing two damage to you over and over again. Uh, not to mention the fact that they can draw out of this you know like the you contaminating ground a land fair enough they take a couple of damage from it but sooner or later they're going to draw more land you know like the only time this is good and the only time it's good is if your opponent is flooded not flooded sorry if he's mana screwed already and if he's mana screwed he's mana screwed already so what, what, do, you, what do you need this far, you know, he's not getting any mana. So, uh, really, I just don't see it being worth a card, Craig.
1: No, no, see, because it's a common, that means there's going to be more of them going around than your beloved crackling perimeter, okay? There's going to be plenty of these going around, and no one really wants them, because they're all foolish. They don't see the beauty of contaminated ground. Okay, so you can hoover up a few. I mean, I, I, I'm not doing the maths in my head, but I imagine you could get two or three, maybe more, depends on, you know, luck, what's on the booster pack. And then you just go, you know, turn two, well, one of your your things is going to cost you some life. And then turn three, oh, two of your things is going to cost you some life. You want to pay that four life for your creature? Is your creature really worth it? And then, you know, maybe you don't get in turn four, but in turn five, you maybe get in the other one. You go six life. That's a lot for a creature. Even a Thragtusk isn't worth it then. Not a Thragtusk in a format, because it's what (laughs) it is. But I'm just saying, I mean, even Thragtusk looks bad. Right. Oh, see, that's
0: going to hurt. See, you've actually hit the nail on the head as to exactly why this card is bad. Your opponent gets the choice. He gives the choice of saying, do I want to do this or not? And most of the time, if he can avoid it, he will. And most of the time, he'll have the option to avoid it because you've got maybe one or two Contaminated Grounds in your deck. He'll have at least seven or eight mana sources of that colour that you're trying to cut off. You know? So you've only got two or three answers to... Seven or eight, maybe nine problems.
1: Nah, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna screw him up because you're gonna play him on the gate or the, you, you know how it is, you know, you, you play, you know, you, your opening hand is like, forest, forest, island. Awesome. And then you draw another forest, then you draw another forest, then you draw another forest, and you're like, ah, oh, the island. I mean, if I had two, I could play two cards or I could play that double blue card. And then you just put the contaminated ground in it, it's like, ah, oh, you're gonna have to fish out two more islands. You're gonna have to fish out two more Oh, you can't find two more islands? Oh, what a shame. And then if they you know, they they can't <laughs> even tap it at that stage
0: for the blue if it's not a gate. I mean, oh it's just I mean it's wishful thinking, Craig, at best. <laughs> you know. I mean imagine imagine when you're like the you're in the middle of the game, you've maybe got one or two cards left in hand, and you really need an answer to some threat your opponent's put on the table, or you just need a blocker, or you just need anything that can interact with the board and you draw this, you'd be better off just skipping your draw step.
1: No, no, because it, <laughs> it does affect the board, because then if they want to do something else,
0: they're going to have to pay for it. And, and yeah, Only uh, if they've only got three land in play, or two land in play. Can I stop defending this card now? Yeah, Please. go on then. <laughs>
1: okay, so, <laughs> I mean, w- one argument which you never mentioned is that people will pay two life for a shock land. To get like one source of mana out for a turn, like they'll they'll pay the yeah. two life for Contaminated Ground. Like it's not as good as a shuffle land, obviously. Unless it's played in a gate and then they got access to three colors, woohoo! But it's yeah, they they'll, they'll pay the two life the once they need it, and then as you say, they won't use it again
2: Because yeah.
1: they don't need to. And uh, yeah, th- you're gonna play. I mean, if you're taking two life, you're weighing that against whatever you're about to play, and you must have deemed it that two life to play this card is a worthwhile transaction.
0: Yeah, I mean, my experience with this one is whenever anybody's played it against me, they are now behind on the board. Like, if it's early games, like, early doors and natural games games, that's useful when you've not got a lot of land in play. And uh, if they do that, then they're putting themselves behind on the number of creatures in play, and then you're just going to take that two damage because you're going to be able to put a creature in play when they've not done that, you know, and you're going to get an overlap of creatures on them.
2: Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I can't even think of what else to insult us with. <laughs> I mean, it, it's pretty crushing if you put it on a Shockland in Italy, because a Shockland generates mana because of its types. Like, a gate a, a gate doesn't generate mana because it is a gate. It generates mana because it says so in the card, whereas, you know, a Hallowed Fountain generates blue and white mana because it says Island and Plains. So it's pretty <laughs> crushing if you play it on a Shockland, but, I mean, that's best-case scenario, and...
0: <laughs> ah, but- no, see you maybe just go and clear this up for me, Craig. See it says Enchanted Land is a swamp. Yeah. A swamp doesn't have um any other information on it.
1: No no. By if a, well, I would probably say land, but it may be any card, to be honest. If uh if it says land slash swamp, the, the word swamp in the subtype inherently means it has the ability to tap for black mana.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but this says Enchanted Land is a swamp. So I put this on your, I don't know, on your thespian stage. Does your thespian stage not just become a swamp?
1: Right. Um, I've been going off the rails slightly in this conversation. I've decided to interject with this edit because I just continue going further off from um, the truth. Uh, And I don't want to confuse people by, um, well, telling lies effectively. So when it says Enchanted Land is a swamp... The land becomes a swamp. If it has any abilities, like Thespian Stage ability to copy a land, those disappear. Thespian Stage ability to produce one colourless mana also disappears. It simply then gets the ability to tap, add black to your mana pool. Now, it doesn't change if the card is legendary. It doesn't change the card if it's basic. It doesn't change the card if it's snow, although that's not going to happen in uh, Gate Crash obviously. And it doesn't change the card's name. So if you use this on Sacred Foundry, Sacred Foundry will be called Sacred Foundry. It will be a land swamp. No basic land, because take Foundry doesn't have basic. And then it will also just have tap for black. And that's it. So what happens if you use this on a gate? Is it still a gate? No. Because gate's a subtype. This gets rid of all existing land types, which I believe includes gate, and it's just a swamp. If you target this on a land, the land can only tap for black. It's now a swamp, as far as types go. Um, yeah. So... Back to the show. Okay, great. Yeah. Your turn. Right. I'm going to think of a card I wanna berate <laughs> rather than what I, rather than punish you with anything in particular. Um I would like to berate
0: Viscopa
1: Confessor.
0: <laughs> Hold on, we've got that's the one three, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so Viscopa Confessor uh is three and white and black. So 5 in total. It's a creature human cleric, it's uncommon, and it is a 1-3 for your 5 mana. It does have extort on it, and it also has this. When Viscope Confessor enters the battlefield, pay any amount of life. Target opponent reveals that that many cards from his or her hand, you choose one of them
0: and exile it. Hmm. Okay. So, obviously this is a really solid card. (laughs) 5 mana a bargain, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is a wonderful start, <laughs> right? Okay, okay. So, right. So the first is first advantage. The first good reason to have this in your deck is obviously extort, right? He's a one-three blocks quite well on the ground, but he has extort written on the card. So this is one more trigger for the future. It's a lot of life you could gain, and a lot of damage you can do. I don't need to go over that too much. Now, the second point he's got is the fact that you get to pay lives, okay, you pay lives, but really, considering the guild you're in, within, uh, Orzhov, losing lives is not a big deal. You've got a lot of ways of gaining your lives back, which don't hurt you, uh, card advantage-wise. You know, so, like, there's a lot of, your extort triggers are going all the time, uh, so you're hoping to gain quite a lot of life over the course of the game, and Cards like this are why you've been gaining that life, so you can take advantage of your now slightly pumped up life total to inflict harm upon your opponent. And so when it comes to the point in the game where you're playing this guy, he's a five mana chap, he, uh, your opponent doesn't necessarily have a lot of cards in his hand anyway. So you're maybe looking at three cards, two or three cards, so it's two or three lives, Not a big deal, really. So you pay your two or three lives, and you get to pick the exact card that you exile. It's not even discarded, it's exiled. It's out of the game forever. So, what you're really hoping to do with this, I suppose, is you place guy on your curve, turn, you know, six or seven, whenever it is he's actually going to come down. Hope, I mean, ideally turn five, but you know, you're not going to hit those land drops every time, are you? But ideally turn five, and you're hoping to get rid of your opponent's five and six drops out of their hand, before uh, they have a chance to use them, and once you've done that, you also have a nice handy one-three with extort on the table. I mean, a, a one-three isn't going to like single-handedly win you the game, but he's not a rare bomb. He's a sort of troops of, of the line kind of regular sort of guy. He's, he's he's going to sit back, hold the fort on the ground while you're attacking with the flyers that you've already picked up, and you're extorting away all the time, so he's going to give you your lives back over time anyway. Say you paid your three lives, you only have to cast three spells and extort a couple of times, you've got your lives back. You know, so there's really no cost when you think about it. In fact, it might actually be profitable. You know, it depends on how many times you extort, you actually might gain more lives than you could potentially lose from this one card. That's what I think, Craig. It's a one,
1: three for five with... <sighs> I mean, Extort's nice, but there's a lot better creatures with Extort. And the ability happens the once. And you're paying life for it, which is just ridiculous. I mean, there are cheaper cards which cause your opponent to discard. I mean, at the stage where you're playing a 5-mana creature, your opponent maybe only has 2 or 3 cards in hand. Wouldn't you rather play Purge of Profane? Or if we were doing a full block, wouldn't you rather play Mind Rot? This is a lot of mana and life for not much effect. Let's be quite honest.
0: To take your Purge of Profane example, or Mindrot, the advantage of this guy is you have the choice, not your opponent, of which cards get discarded. So with Mindrot and Purge of Profane, they go for a blanket, kind of carpet-bombing-style attack on your opponent's hand. This guy is a precision laser-guided missile that takes out the biggest threat that he has available to him.
1: Okay, I mean, as I say... They probably only have two cards at hand, which your mind rod and your persia profane precision bombs both of them quite nicely and let's just say ooh, i don't know you' you hit you know they've played out their four or five mana, and they played out some of their guys, and you go, "Oh well, let's see what two cards you've got left to cast," and it reveals two basic lands. Was that really worth the two life? The five mana, the rubbish guy in the ground and the extra extort sauce, that could have been something else, which you could have actually extorted with?
0: See, I think, I think that it is, because what you've gained there is information, Craig, and information is the key. Now you know exactly what he has in his hand, exactly what he has available. You're not going to be running into removal, or you're not going to be running into combat tricks, he's got land in his hand and you're free to do what you like.
1: No. <laughs> Just no, that inf- that information That information you're gonna realise soon enough because he's probably gonna play a sixth land. He may even play a seventh depending. It's not information which is terribly useful. I mean as i say there's better that of Profane. I'd just rather play that. How much is Perch of Profane again? Is it a four
0: draw? Four, yeah.
1: I mean, then you get the one mana which you can use to extort for free, or you can just have the one mana to do something else with. I mean, I'd rather do that. And then, it's, it's just the fact you end up with 1-3 for 5.
0: Yeah, I, I really think you're looking at it the wrong way. I think you're looking at the, uh, the, the pay in the life as a cost. you you're, you're gonna get that life back with the extort. He's, yeah, he's yeah, gonna pay for yeah. himself. What, what, I mean, he- That's free. He's really X-3
1: white black because the X is the mana you're going to have to pay an Extort to gain back the life which you're using and it's it's not for free, you're going to have to pay for the Extort, and that's assuming you're able to play out cards which allow you to trigger Extort, that assumes you have enough Extort sources, because if this copus Confessor you're only one, you're going to need to play three separate spells, you're going to have to have the three mana available at the time, it's going to be take more than one turn to do that No, 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 no
0: Here's, here's another point as well, Craig. When was the last time you saw a card which said, look at your opponent's hand, pick one card, and exile it? How relevant
1: is the exile
0: over the put into the graveyard? I think it's, it's very, very, yeah, definitely.
1: It's, no, 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 it's very irrelevant. No, 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 say. no.
0: Because a lot of uh, your opponent's stuff can come back from the graveyard. With the, There's that green card which lets them come back, uh what's it called? Nobody is playing that
1: card. Nobody's playing Wildwood Reaper. Yes they do. Nobody's playing, yes, nobody's do. playing Serene Remembrance.
0: If, 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 you're, if you're if you're if you're playing aggressive gruel, then you're playing Verdant Regrowth. what's it called again? The regrowth thing. Yeah. Um, you're playing that to get your, your Wild blood rush guys. Back. Reaper. <laughs> no, sir. Yes. Um the uh what else can I gonna say about this? I want to say something else. Right. It's rubbish. It's not, it's good. <laughs> For himself, yeah. So, just just out of interest, though, if you had a card which said, "Look at a person's hand and pick a card," even if it just goes to the graveyard, discard it, right? Like, take Mindrock. Mindrot isn't as good as that. Mindrock's, like, say, two random ca- two cards they can pick. You get other cards which do them at random, but Mindrot costs three mana to do, right? This guy costs five. So if you take off the three mana for a mind drop, which isn't even as good as picking a card and exiling it, take off the three for a mind drop, but you know it's going to cost more than that to, for that ability. You're left with a one three, which has cost you two mana. No, because the mind rod does more. No, it doesn't! R- no, it doesn't! It does. Because it, cause if, if your opponent's sitting with three cards in hand, you mind drop them, then they're obviously going to keep the ridiculous bomb that's going to turn the game in their favour. Yeah, this, but, this but they're is not going to be able situation. to... Print.
1: No, because you're, you're getting rid of the two lands they need to cast a ridiculous bomb, then they need to wait at least two more turns to draw that land, then they need to be able to still play the card, which is three turns later, and the board state's gonna look completely different in three turns. It doesn't have to
0: be a ridiculous expensive bomb, it could just be a nice cheap removal spell. You know?
1: <sighs> Can you come in from the cold and please break this card down? Mm, I don't know. Or are you, are you actually, do you actually think yeah, this is, is not as bad as I think
0: this is playable. I mean, if you break it down by what you're actually getting for the mana 5 mana's a lot, it's coming down late and the actual creature himself doesn't have a lot of impact but just being able to take something very specific at your opponent's hand could be worth it Yeah, but you could just draw a blank insofar as you do hit all
1: those land or you hit... Like a land and like a really irrelevant spell which they've put in their deck as their 23rd playable.
0: Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You I mean, hit, you yep. could hit
1: like Serene Remembrance in a forest. I mean, yeah. okay, congratulations, at Serene Remembrance, cockahoot. Or you hit the forest and then they Serene Remembrance that if they really want to. I mean, yeah.
0: Information, information's key as well though, you know? Anyway, yeah. But information probably shouldn't cost you lives.
1: And, he, and the other thing is, he's not impacting the board. I mean, a 1-3, I mean, okay, arguably, he can block a thing and die, mm. I suppose, but you're not affecting the board. I mean, if you're behind and you play Viscopa Confessor, what you're actually doing is reducing your life total, or wasting your your 5 mana on this thing instead of something yeah.
0: else. Yeah, and th- another thing with him is, is 5 mana, how much are you going to be able to extort once you play played a 5 mana guy? With, with, you know, you've got a couple of like, extort guys, how much money are you got available? You know,
1: you're not going to be able to play him and extort really. Yeah, he's
0: not going to trigger extort very often. In a useful way. I mean,
1: he'll benefit later turns extort, but I'd rather play a cheap creature with extort, which I can also extort as it comes into play. You know, I'd rather play Basilica Guards and extort twice than play the Scopic Confessor. Mm. And then I still have my extra extort source. I've got actually a bigger body on the ground for last mana, and have done two damage and gained two life, and you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I still quite, uh, quite like them though. <laughs>
1: would, would you ever pay an amount of life less than the number of cards in their hand? Like say I'm holding four cards, would you ever pay three life?
0: No. That, to see three uh, of my cards? That would be pretty pointless, because obviously you don't get to see the exact card that you need to see.
1: Yeah, so you, you are forced, which, which is maybe a bad thing, it depends how many cards they have in their hand, like if they've got one card in their hand, one life, eh, but you know. If, if you are forced to say, to pay an amount of life equal to their cards in hand.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it does pay for itself in card advantage terms. You, you actually gain a card? Yeah. You actually gain a card off this.
1: You keep a permanent in play, whereas they lose a card trade. Yeah. But again, how much is that card worth? I mean, if you just hit land, or you hit just... Yeah, but some you, rubbishy spell. I'm
0: not going to say it again, Craig. But I'm going to say it this one more time. Whatever it is you hit, it is the best thing that they've got at that time. So if, if it's if they've only got land in hand, then great. Do you know?
2: Mm, no, no, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next. Next. Right, Craig. I want you to defend. Predator's Rapport.
2: (sighs)
1: Okay. (laughs) Let me just find it. Predator's Rapport. So it is two and a green. Total of three. It is an instant. And it says, choose target creature you control. You gain life equal to that creature's power plus its toughness. So you're playing green. So you're either in Gruul or you're in Simic. Now if you're in Gruul, you have plenty of big creatures in Gruul. And being able to Gain seven life off of your, uh, what's the worm called? I'm totally forgotten the worm's name. Ruination worm?
0: <laughs> Ruination worm? Is that even in the set? Yeah? Well, we're t- Ruination worm?
1: Ruination worm, he's a seven, six for four, four are red and a green. Yeah, he's in the set, because he was only printed in on the set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You play Predator's Report, for 3 mana, you get 7 life. Now, if he, ooh, I don't know, has been blood rushed earlier, even a cheap little blood rush, like your skin brand goblin, you know, giving him an extra 2, that's an extra 2 life. You know, 9 life, that's quite a big life swing, especially when this Ruination Worm is swinging in for 9. Or you could even imagine, you know, um if you're a Simic, you just got creatures which are evolving, they can get pretty big and nasty, especially if you have that adaptive snap job previously mentioned. I mean, they very quickly go up to being a 7-3. They can quite easily go up to being an 8-4. Pushing beyond that eh, maybe it's a bit hard, but you know, you can easily see yourself getting it. I mean, this card is getting you at least 7 life. And you're, you've are got this massive creature which is also swinging in for lots of damage. It's effectively a double whatever that creature's power life swing you're getting. It's a bit like playing Obsidat, where you... You know, deal five damage and what, gain two life or four life, whatever it is. I mean, it's just crazy. No, spark trooper. That's a better example. Spark trooper deals six damage with life link, so it's a twelve point life swing. Predator's report is effectively the same thing. It's a massive life swing difference. You gain tons of life. They're taking tons of damage because you're hitting your blood rush creature, which is really pumped up, big tons of health. It's going to affect the game. <laughs>
0: Okay, okay. So, predators Rapport. <laughs> Craig. I think. Well, I don't know. I don't know why you're laughing. This is a
1: good card. I mean, the live stream on this is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. The picture is not very nice. Oh, poor man. Yeah, that that guy is going to get eaten by that tiger. Is that a guy? No, nah, it's a girl. I think. It could be a guy. You know, just maybe likes bikinis.
1: I, I, now hope it's a girl for that. Reason.
0: <laughs> Anyways. The, uh, we all know why this is bad. I mean, we don't really need to bang on about it too much. It costs you a card. It'll cost you a turn to play it. You'll gain lives. You will not gain any board position. So anything that was hurting you before will still be hurting you next turn. That's the age old argument against these things. It's not, you it shouldn't be surprised that I'm saying that. You do get potentially a lot of lives off of this. But, you know is it ever gonna be worth losing the opportunity to play a creature or play a spell which will remove one of your opponent's creatures from play. I mean, okay, let's say in what is the very best this is gonna do. Let's say you've you blood rushed your five four onto said seven was it a seven six worm? Yeah seven six. So you just blood rushed your five four whoever he was, that's like twelve and ten, twenty-two lives just gained. Wow. That, that just sounds pretty good. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm telling you, this is, this is why this card is amazing. <laughs> it's, it's not amazing, Craig. Behave. The <laughs> but I mean, like, the thing is, that twenty-two lives, right, that you've just gained, you could have prevented all that damage in one turn, obviously, by blocking a few times with a guy. Maybe I'm not arguing against this very well. But I mean it's, no. it does have the potential to gain you a lot of lives, but I just don't think it's worth its place, you know? Just because you could you could be preventing that damage just by having a guy in play or just by removing something that your opponent's hitting you with.
1: That's just that's just a poor argument for life gain. <laughs> really? That's a poor argument against life. Now see see, one of the things you said was you're losing a turn playing this. No, no. You need your big creature out first. Now that's not a harsh requirement, because you're playing in Either you're, you're evolving your creature up to be something big, or you're playing Gruel, and naturally, they're big. And you're not losing a turn to this, because this is a 1-2 combo with the Blood Rush, my guy. Oh, you're taking more damage than you thought. Well, also, there's a massive life swing on top of this, because I'm gaining so much life. How are you ever regaining that position? Because you're not on the defensive with these guilds. They're on the attack. Right. Let's well, be honest here. So you're not needing to worry about what the board's like, because you're winning on the board.
0: Right. So, first point you're saying you're on the offensive, right? So, if you're on the offensive, and you're hoping to draw an aggressive creature of some form, and you draw this instead, how how is that contributing to your game plan of trying to win the game in as short as many turns as possible? You're just bumping up your life total when your opponent should be in such a position that he's unable to hurt you anyway. And then that's now considering the possibility that you might not even have a creature in play. So, you've Kind of, you've been grinding out against opponents. It's been kind of a game of attrition, and you've you top deck this, and you've got no creature, or you've got something relatively insignificant. You've got you're you're playing like a really aggressive start, and you've got like Disciple of the Old Ways in play, uh, and you've got a two-two. Oh wow, I can gain four lives for this. It's really not going to affect me in that situation. So although the the very best situation you can see it in is potentially gaining ton of lives potentially more than your starting life total most of the time it's going to be hitting something which is like a 2-2 or a 3-3 and it's just not going to be worth it because those lives could have been prevented by just having another blocker or by making the game shorter by killing your opponent faster
1: yeah we've just been discussing predators report except for due to a, um break in us recording this podcast i can't remember what your argument was Can can we just, can we just start insulting the card now? Is that?
0: Yeah. Are we, are we we live now, Craig? Yeah. Okay. Hi, everyone. (laughs) There's been a break in recording, everyone.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I can't quite remember what your counter argument to Predator Report being rubbish was, but can we just agree it is?
0: Yeah. You know what the argument was. It was just that it doesn't change the board, basically.
1: Yeah, whatever situation you're in, you're still in, except for the numbers have changed as far as life does go. And that isn't enough to fix a bad position. If you're in a bad position, gaining more life doesn't change the fact you're in a bad position. If you're in a good position, gaining more life doesn't really do anything. If you're going to win the game, then it doesn't matter what life total you got when you win it. Mm. Um, and if you're losing the game, then gaining a few more life is just delaying you and maybe not even by a turn. And it's just it's a waste of time.
0: Yeah, and that the, that whole you could gain 21 lives is just kind of fancy land, a little bit, you know. Uh, it's going to happen somewhere, but it, well, that's like the
1: one time when Predator Report's good out of the like a million times Predator Report's good in a deck. Yeah. And you're not going to be the special snowflake which gets that one in a million.
0: <laughs> the special snowflake.
1: The special snowflake which Is gets that a
0: phrase you use in everyday life, Craig? <laughs> oh, aren't you such a special snowflake? I
1: do use that from time <laughs> to time, yeah. Well,
0: don't you realise? All snowflakes are special.
1: All snowflakes are unique.
0: But making them special, obviously.
1: But just because you're unique, does not make you special? I don't think just because... You've got Predator's Report, you've got the, what's it, Ruination Worm and the Zerk Clan Swine, Is those are the three cards I think we mentioned. You're not going to be the one to gain the 22 life. Dream on buddy, keep it out of your deck, play a better card.
0: I'm special.
1: You are, you mean a lot to me, <laughs> but that doesn't mean you're going to be the one in a million Predator Report, gain 22 life, do 20, you know.
0: Maybe. Do 22 Maybe. damage.
1: Maybe. Plus, if you're doing 22 damage, you don't need the life.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you're not doing 22 damage, are you? You're uh, doing oh, 11 damage gaining... 11 yeah, 11. right, yeah, yeah, okay, well... Still.
2: <sighs> Anywho.
1: Right, um... <laughs> I don't want to give you your next one yet, I just want to... I want us both to touch on uh, a number of cards. So I want to talk about, um... Goliath Borberg mm-hmm. was enraged at all the primordials. What is the key problem with these seven cards? Hard to pronounce? Um... <laughs> well, I can pronounce Bor... Bor... Bor B- B- <laughs> oh, oh
0: Borbarygmos, you see. <coughs> Borbarygmos,
1: yeah. I can easily <laughs> pronounce Borbarygmos and Rage. Thank you very much. Um, no, the key problem with this is... Let's see... Scargoliath is a mana cost of seven? No, eight. Eight. Yeah. And Borbarygmos oh. is eight... And the Primordials are all 7
0: Yeah, they're all just a bit pricey for what they do.
1: Yeah, the big problem, especially with uh, Borbregmos, he is 8 and he requires reasonably specific mana. He's yeah. pretty hard to play. I mean, getting up to 8 mana, unless you're ramping, is not generally happening.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean the the is one of the ones that's really tempting to play because he's cool, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, he's cool, isn't he? And you're like, yeah, I check him out. He's a big Cyclops. He's seven six. I get to you know do cool things on the lands. Ah,
1: but the problem is getting up to the eight mana, being able to cast it, and then actually being able to use them to affect the game. Yeah. And we can say pretty much similar stuff about Skargoliath. Now, hard casting him as a 9-9 trample, you still need the turn after to deal damage. And that's assuming they don't handle it somehow or absorb enough damage that they don't lose. And you also need a mana to
0: cast it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have to play it, you know, sometimes. But, I mean, I've tried to make it work a few times, but every time it's just been dead, so...
1: It's it's a lot better to view Scargoliath as an instant seven mana costing pump spell.
0: Yeah, but even then it's still a bit pricey, isn't it? Um
1: it should win you the game, but the question is they could I mean they can still handle you somehow, or they could just be able to soak the damage. I mean, it's gonna win like Scargolife's blood rush is definitely gonna win games, but how many times to put in a deck and they don't get up to seven and the attack to pump with a Scar or whatever. I mean, basically how many times is Scar put in a deck and it's Deadwood? And yeah. I bet it's quite a, it's, it's more than half. It's probably like in the 80%, 90% range of how many times Scar is just a waste of space in your deck.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was drafting, uh, during the week and, uh, playing against a person who had Scar in their deck. And, uh, I, I was playing discard, and every time I had a discard spell, it was, like Goliath was out first, and then, uh, oh, maybe this other thing. But it was always the case of, I'm never gonna cast this, so it gets pinned first. So, this has got to be a mark of a borderline unplayable card. Yeah.
1: Um, right, the Primordials are slightly better suited insofar as they're seven mana, um, not quite colours intensive as Border Igmos, um, but th- these primordials were very clearly made for casual multiplayer games. Whether that's Commander or not, it's for kitchen table magic.
0: Hmm. I would like to say that in their favour, they each have impact. Um, you, know, yeah. you, you play this, you get a creature, and you get an effect which is going to make a difference to the game. You know they are expensive, but you know they. It's, it's not. They're they're better in a multiplayer environment, but they're not irrelevant. If you drop them, you know. This is true. I mean,
1: I have played. I think uh, not last week, but the week before, I was happily playing Diluvian Primordial in my FNM deck, and it did work just as a simple five-five flying creature. So yeah. If you don't have a flyer, I'm hitting you for five. I had other flyers, so I was hitting you for more than five in the air each turn. You're not going to survive terribly long against that.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, they are expensive, but I don't think that puts them in the, the worst cards in the set bracket quite.
1: But the problem is getting up to the seven.
0: Yeah. Um, I do
1: want to specifically point out Molten Primordial, I think is probably the worst. The reason being, if you're in Boros, if you're hitting seven mana, you're doing it wrong?
2: Yeah, I suppose so,
1: that's true. You should be winning before you get the seven mana. So if you're in Boros and you see the Molten Prime Order and go, ooh, that'll do fine in my deck, no, not really. If you're playing it, then something's gone wrong. You shouldn't be hitting seven mana and not having won the game yet.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like, again, it's like I have saying before, there's a lot of the time you're, you're forced to play decks which aren't Ban on the archetype, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So if you're playing some sort of ramp deck, then seven mana isn't out of the face of things. In fact, it's probably where you're aiming for. You're wanting to play something which is going to win you the game and something big and green or big and red will maybe do it, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: But,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not saying they're unplayable. I'm not saying they're the worst cards. I'm just saying people... Especially newer players, not to have any, not to have a go at you, but it's you're probably going to favour more than you really should.
0: Yeah, of course you are, because they're big and cool. Look at them; they're massive, great big monsters. They're bigger than anything else that you can get. You're like, wow, it's a rare, it's a great big monster. I get to go over, like, steal your guy, exile that guy, do other roads, cool things, you know. But it's just they are pricey and. You've got to take that into consideration if you're going to want to play them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You need to have a deck which is going to get to that mana to actually make use of them. Because, again, otherwise it's just a bit like the Scargill Life. If you put a Sepulchral primordial in your black whatever deck and you don't get up to 7 mana in most games, then it's not really worth having it in your deck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes me sad because I quite like them. But uh, uh, there's are the sort of cards that I, I get drawn to and I want to play... But, they are just too expensive. And there's just too many times they end up being dead in your hand. Even if you are trying to ramp into something, or if you're trying to control your way into something, you know, if you're trying to stall the game to the point where you've got seven land in play, they're just, you know, you'd be better off with something that costs five or six. You know? Yeah. Cause it'll still win you the game. Yeah. Usually, depending on what it is.
1: Right, let's get back to picking your
0: points Things, closet. yeah. Um, Biovisionary? Biovisionary. That's the guy that you need duplicates of,
1: isn't it? He is indeed. Shall I read him off? Yeah. Biovisionary. He costs one, a green and a blue, so three in total. He is a human wizard. He is a rare. He is a 2-3 and it says at the beginning of your end step if you control four or more creatures named Biovisionary... You win the game.
0: (laughs) Right, okay. The one situation where I I would absolutely, definitely play Biovisionary 100% of the time is when I have the cipher card stolen identity. Now, I appreciate it's a rare, and this is a kind of fringe situation, but it was just such a cool way to win the game to start with. So he's got points for the potential for being cool. Like, other than that you're not really going to have uh, many opportunities to have multiples of them to get us win the game cause. But really, I don't think a 2-3 three, for 3 is that bad. I mean, sure, it would be better as a 3-3, three, three, but, I mean, what more can you say? I mean, it's a, uh, yeah, just pick up four of them, you will be fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know? Wow, that was a great yeah, argument. Great man.
0: argument. I mean, I'm looking at I'm going, you know, I really want him to be a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah,
1: would you no, not rather have a Drake Wing?
0: Uh, oh yeah, I mean,
1: I'd rather have Drake Wing, Crassus, wing. which is a three-one flyer for the same mana.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, you're, like to you're, you're meant open. to be
1: defending him.
0: I know, but you can't, Craig. It's hard. I'm paying three mana across two colors for a two-three. I just wish he was a three-three, Craig. You know, so
2: but he, no, yeah. I think
0: I think the stone identity clause. Get stolen identity, see one of these, fine. You've got another win condition. But that's two rares you need, so.
1: Are, are, are we just actually arguing with the card rather than having a... Pretend? Yeah, I know. Okay. I'm sorry. No, that's but fine. Like,
0: okay, I defy you to defend it.
1: <laughs> oh god, you want me to defend it. Um
0: Really? If it's I mean, a 2-3 for 3, that's all it does, it's a vanilla creature.
1: Okay, that that's, that's just actually just be reasonable and not have the back and forth. I mean, yeah. I agree with you. Biovisionary plus Stolen Identity. I want to say that's the only way you can actually win with this Unlimited.
0: Yeah, I mean... Is there anything else which copies well, a creature? You can have four of them, or you can... uh Is there the slime? Can you... can you Does the slime make a copy of the creature, or does it just take power and toughness off it?
1: Well, miming slime.
0: Yeah. Um... Just an XX. Thing. Right,
1: okay. Yeah, I mean Biovisionary to, to be honest, a two three for three mana isn't the worst, but he does require both colours of mana. At there are better cars for that. Yeah. As I say, the the the, the Draquin I'd rather have a three one flying trample because it's more likely to do damage. And the Biovisionary, he can block alright, but he's probably blocking and not killing things and Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, like if he was a three-three, I'd play him every time, just as a three-three guy. But it With... wouldn't
1: be too bad.
0: Yeah, no, well, it'd be it'd be actually good, mm-hmm. you know. But you need that. Even if it was a three-two, 3-2, 3-2, uh, three-two, yeah, three-two wouldn't be bad either. But yeah, because he'd be killing uh, things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I, I mean, I don't think Biovisionary is the worst. but again, maybe it's a bad pick, but. You need to view him as a vanilla creature, because yeah, the terrible. chat. The, I mean, if we're seeing Skargoliath probably doesn't do anything 80 to 90 percent of the time. Biovisionary's rules text probably doesn't do anything 99.99999 percent of the time. Yeah. And again, you need to be a special snowflake to get stolen identity <laughs> and biovisionary will work because remember, it's not just st- you cast stolen identity and then you hit them with the cipher card and yeah, you've got three. You need to do it again. And I hope they don't have homing lightning.
0: Yeah. I'll throw you
1: out. Four damage, all your biovisionaries. Well, you go back to nil. <laughs> yeah, so.
0: Yeah, I, I, I struggle to argue with that one, Craig. I'm yeah. sorry.
1: Right, should we just pick up other cars to have
0: a discussion um, about? Yeah, okay, should we just have a, should we just go go about it the normal way or should we pick at each other again? What do you want to do? Let's,
1: let's just have a conversation about it, cause. Okay. I mean, it's fun, but sometimes it's, it's just too hard to defend <laughs> a <really> terrible <laughs> yeah. card.
0: Okay, so what do you want to go for, then?
1: Can we talk about Blind Obedience? This is maybe a fringe card, but it's one I would like to talk about.
0: Yeah, it's not exactly what I would call in the worst cards of the set bracket, though, is it? Really, is it? Okay, then we can grab something else.
1: Enter the Infinite? Ha! <laughs> okay. Okay, so... Uh, enter the infinite. Uh, uh, enter the infinite. Let me try pronouncing that. Can we just start as casting cost?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this is why we decided to uh, have somebody arguing for it, because it's it's not hard to see what's wrong with it.
1: Okay, so th- let me just skip straight to the rules text. So enter the infinite. You draw cards equal to the number of cards in your library, then put a card from your hand on top of your library. You've got no maximum hand size until the end of your next turn. So draw your library, but put one back so you don't lose next turn. And then you keep all your cards; don't discard them. So next, basically, next turn, you will draw your final card. You have your entire library in your hand. Go win the game. <laughs> I mean, that is—it's hard to argue with that. I mean, uh, in a game of Commander, you—we—I basically did the same thing. You caused me yeah. to draw my entire library. Did I win that game? Oh hell, yes, I did.
0: So, is there is there a way to make this work for you, Craig? And is so the, there a way, to, yeah? Is there a way to say this isn't actually so bad? Is, yes. there, is there a way to argue for it?
1: Yes, there is. It's even in the correct color. Unexpected
0: results. <laughs> okay. Uh, do, do you know the card? Um, vaguely. You shuffle your library. So, unexpected
1: results, yeah, you, uh, you shuffle oh, your library.
0: Yeah, yeah, I see what you're doing, yeah.
1: Yeah, you reveal the top card. If it's a non-land card, like Enter the Infinite, being a sorcery, you cast it while paying your mana cost. So, for four mana, the cost of unexpected results, you could potentially draw your entire library if you hit Enter the Infinite.
0: Yeah, but why would you?
1: Cause theoretically from then, you have one turn to cast all oh, your cool stuff, which makes you win the game somehow, and pray yeah, you've got the... But you've... Yeah, you've still got to have all the mana to do that. Yeah, that is the problem. Like, is four or five mana going to be enough to kill your opponent?
0: Yeah, it's basically a tutor for the very best card in your deck, isn't it? Well,
1: it's a tutor for all the cards in your deck. But the question yeah, is,
0: yeah, but you're going to be able to cast one or two of them, maybe. So,
1: yeah, you need the mana to go off. Like this plus omniscience well, is what a wait, deck, wait, wait. but what, that's... what if
0: you've got uh, serene remembrance though?
1: So... so then
0: you can, then you can. Give yourself more turns. Give yourself more turns, yeah. So you've got a couple of Serene Remembrance in your deck, maybe two or three, and then that's two or three more turns. Yes,
1: that's true, but so the, uh, your hand there, there's they? a problem. Uh, Enter the Infinite says you have no maximum hand size until the end of your next turn. So even if you do give yourself <laughs> more turns, <laughs> <laughs> then you are dropping down to seven cards, which is still going to be the best seven cards you have.
0: yeah. I'm mean, not do that. I mean, if you've got seven card the best seven cards in your deck, and, what, have you got one, two, three, four, four turns, maybe?
1: Uh, it'll be three bend turns. Depends
0: how many, or, well, how many remem- remembrances you have.
1: Plus, does remember remembrance doesn't get rid of itself, so you can draw it again. Yeah. Having like a it, serene remembrance is actually somewhat protect, protects you from milling yourself. Assuming hmm. your opponent uh, milling yourself, as long as your opponent isn't trying to mill you. But anyway, um can we, can we just talk about the problem with Enter the Infinite though?
0: Which yeah, is I the mana cost. I don't think we need to. <laughs> Does anybody out there not see the problem with Enter the Infinite? Really? Well, just, really? In, just in case people
1: aren't aware of the card, it is a mythic rare. Okay, so, I mean, I haven't seen an Enter the Infinite, personally. Mm. But this is the problem with Enter the Infinite. Its mana cost is 8. And a blue, and a blue, and a blue, and another blue. So in total, that's 12 mana. Try hard casting that.
0: <laughs> I mean, what's good on, Craig? Yeah, uh,
1: th- this is... I think Wizards have said, if a card hits 10 or more mana, it should just be able to do a ridiculous effect which wins you the game. Which this probably yeah. should. Like, let's say... by. Sure miracle, you got 12 mana and you cast Enter the Infinite. Next turn, with all your cards left in your library and the 12 or 13 mana, you have to be able to win the game. I mean, this is why it does such a powerful effect for the mana, but you, in Limited, you're not getting to 12 mana. Yeah,
0: in Gate you're not getting to 10. You're not getting, you're probably not getting to 8, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. And that has I mean, it's simply mana cost, like it's an amazing, even if you get unexpected results plus enter the infinite, you probably don't have enough a mana to actually win the game, and then you need a serene remembrance. I mean, you're adding a lot of conditions. You need a mythic, then a rare, then you need to have like, uh was it an uncommon and special snowflake?
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: but uh, yeah, we can just say enter the infinite twelve
0: mana. Yeah, I mean that's a really obvious one, though, isn't it? I mean, actually, it'd be, I'm quite interested to hear what you were thinking about the the fight one, the blind obedience. That's maybe more interesting one to discuss because it's maybe not obviously bad. Do you okay. know
1: what I, mean? I mean, I'll be honest. The argument, I, I, somebody argued to me why it was a bad card because I, I looked at blind obedience. I mean, it's one and a white. It's an enchantment. It's got extort on it. I mean, to be honest, two mana for an extort so- source. I mean, I played. um Is it angelic benediction, which was an enchantment in M13, which gives you. Exalted, and when you attack one creature, you can tap something down. I mean, that seems pretty decent. I'll, mm. play, I'll play that. I'll play Blind Obedience. It's a lot cheaper just for the extort sauce. But it also has artifacts and creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped, which seems like a really nice effect. Surely. Yeah. I mean, you play a key rune, you don't get a mana benefit from it. You play a creature, he can't block you next turn, which seems all yeah. pretty decent. But creatures coming in tapped is not necessarily a huge affair, because most of the time when you're playing a creature, you want the creature to attack, in general. The (laughs) idea of playing a creature is that you want to beat in damage with it. Now, unless the creature has haste, it entering the medical tap isn't a big thing, because you're playing the creature because you want to do damage. You're not going to block with the creature, because you don't want it to die, and then next turn you attack with it. Now, playing Blind Obedience, or not having Blind Obedience on the board, doesn't make any difference to that plan. The only difference is it happens to be tapped instead of untapped, and you're still not doing anything of it, and you're still able to attack the next turn. And that is probably that. That's like the key argument against blind obedience is that it doesn't really. If your opponent's plan is to beat your beat you with their creatures, blind obedience really doesn't do much unless it has haste.
0: Yeah, I mean, another on the another side of that as well. You've got when you want their defenders to be tapped down is when you're being really aggressive and when you're attacking and playing two drop enchantments doesn't really fit in with that plan I don't think you know instead of playing a creature that turn you're playing your enchantment and it's not I don't know if that fits that plan quite so well you know
2: Yeah,
0: me and you might have had this discussion before Craig I think we might have
1: Okay, so white, white means you're playing Boros or Orzhov, plus maybe splashes or whatever, probably.
0: Yeah. If you're
1: in Boros, you don't want your second play to be not a creature.
0: Yeah, you want go- You're missing battalion, aren't you?
1: Yeah, you want to go creature, creature, creature. Ideally, you want to go creature, creature, sky knight, legionnaire, but, you know, you just want to go one drop, two drop, three drop, or maybe, I mean, maybe worst case scenario, it's you miss your one drop, then you go two drop, and then one and two drop for yours. Turn two. Yeah. Either way, the two drop on turn two, you'll wanna do. Blind obedience is not a creature, it's not helping you out there. And if you're playing Orzoth, I mean, there are aggressive Orzhov decks, but you're probably playing a slightly slower grindier game, so your creatures possibly aren't attacking, and you're actually, you're blocking better, so I, I don't know, it's just, tapping down the creatures just isn't as useful an ability in Orzhov... Or in Boros, or in anything. It's that's, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, the extort on it. I suppose could be relevant. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be and honest. It's a cheap spell, so it'll let you trigger extort on other things.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, the extort's nice, but would I rather have we Would rather have a basilicus creature?
0: Yeah, that's it. exactly. You, you want a guy that can attack and do the damage or block or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, they. Yeah. I mean, those cards do more than blind obedience. They're the same cost, they still have extort, but they have a body which can hit in with. Or <laughs> block with. Or, I don't know, do something with. You could sacrifice it to cartel aristocrats for protection. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I think the creatures have more use than the enchantment.
0: Yeah. Hey ho, hey ho.
1: So yeah, that's, that's why I want to talk about blind obedience. I mean, sure, still a cheap extort source, but, yeah. Better ones.
0: Okay, what else do we got? Do you want to talk about Sky Games? Sky Games. Oh dear, that's it's the that one that gives your guy flying. Yeah one enchantment.
1: So, indeed.
0: Yeah, so, I mean
1: So it's uh one and a blue, it's an enchantment aura, it's enchanted land, and then Enchanted Land has the ability to tap and target creature gains flying till end of turn, and you can activate this ability only when you can cast a sorcery.
0: Yeah, I mean it's one of these enchantments that doesn't quite do enough. But I dunno, I mean two mana to give your guy flying. It seems like it should be good, right? Doesn't
1: it? It's two mana plus one mana per turn after
0: that. Yeah, that's true. It costs you a mana. Opportunity costs a mana. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to like it, but it just doesn't seem like it does enough. Do you know what I mean? It seems like for two mana and a card, and then having to invest land in every turn. I, I, I want you know some sort of power and toughness bonus or something. I you know?
1: I would like to defend this card because I think it is good. Mm. Be, it's not one I've played with, I will, I will admit to that, but, okay, so again, co- cause it's a mono colour card, I will give it the two guild scenarios. So the first scenario, Demir. You give your guy who is ciphered flying. Chances are he's getting in.
0: Yeah, this is true. Alternate A uh, uh, oh. lot of your guys have evasion anyway though. If you're, you know, if you're playing that kind of deck that needs evasion, most of your creatures have it. This the, is, most of the ones true. you want, I mean, I can't think of a creature I would pick.
1: That doesn't either have flying already or evasion. Yeah,
0: some, some sort of evasion, yeah. I,
1: I'll agree with you there. I mean, you you want to target one of the three people I mentioned uh, last week. Uh, Key Master Rogue, the Death yeah, Help Rogue, yeah. and the Occursion Specialist. Yeah. I mean, those three you want to target first, then a flyer, then if you're targeting something else, it's not really that ideal, but... If your target's having the last ideal, or maybe you want your Sky, uh, your Death Cult Rogue to fly, because there's a Rogue on the other side of the table, and they can't fly. I mean, it's a bit sketchy. Yeah. Sky Game Scenario 2, the Simic Guild. Where it can be good, either just the adaptive snapjaw, nice 6-2 beating face, I mean, you really, like when you play the snapjaw, you really do just want to attack over it as soon as possible. I mean, it does 6 damage, but the problem is, it's fragile, it only has 2 toughness, it hasn't been evolved giving a flying means you could just get a 6 damage, and if they don't have a flyer, then yay! You know, you get the beats in straight away. Um, the other case is just, uh you got access to some Blood Rush creatures. You can just mm-hmm. Blood Rush onto something, make it fly. You can get a lot of damage in there.
0: I suppose one way you could use it is as a sideboard card against flying, he- like, heavy flyer decks. If you're playing, like, uh, I don't know, like, Aggressive Simic, and they've got Cloudfin Raptors, and, uh, the Greek increases and things like that's coming out. and they've got, their, they've got a lot of flyers, and you just don't have the, the flyers to uh, match me. W- wait, I mean, wait, wait.
1: wait. To, to no, 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 wait. Activate this ability only any time you cast a sorcery.
0: Oh, yuck.
1: It doesn't work defensively.
0: Oh, that's rubbish.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I was going along with you until I remembered that one. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, no, this can only be used offensively. Oh, man. Yeah. Nah, I
0: don't like it so much.
1: I I think the Simic Guild's a better fit for
0: it, but... Yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah, because that's where you want to be able to get your guys through.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, but... Really? Would you rather have,
1: um... What two drops are there? Frilled Oculus? Yep. Yeah, you can beat in for three each turn if you've got the mana. Yep, Or just definitely. defend for five, I mean... Uh, I can't actually think of other things for two mana specifically. I'd rather have a cloud from Raptor. Rather have an Experiment One. There are just one mana rather than two. Yeah. 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 Right, yep. right. Sky Games, not so much. Hmm. Other cards. Uh,
2: um,
1: Foundry Street Denizen. Some people like this card. Like Denizen. Uh, I
0: like Foundry Street Denizen. Do you like Foundry Street Denizen? Yeah. That's what you were talking about earlier. You need your one drop. You need your two drop. You need your three drop. What's your alternative one drop here if you're playing Boros? Um,
1: you, really? I, I would say,
0: outside, outside of uncommons,
1: a dutiful thrill.
0: For, for, for Bor- Boros? Possibly?
1: Okay, maybe it's more for Boros off, but, uh, I don't, so Foundry Street Denizen is, if you're playing straight Boros, your Foundry Street Denizen is better than the dutiful thrill. I will admit that. But, the Foundry Street Denizen is not, is like the worst denizen. He's a 1-1 for one. Which, sure, I'm not quite sure what more you'd expect for one, but a one-one is completely irrelevant.
0: But it's not always a one-one. He gets bigger.
1: He can get plus one, plus zero if a red creature has entered the battlefield under your control this turn. Sure, so occasionally he's going to be a two-one. Yeah. Maybe really exceptionally he's going to be a three-one on the offense. He's just going to die. Anything's going to block him. Anything yeah. is going to block him and kill him. And chances are they're not going to die in return.
0: But, I mean, ideally what you want to do is you want to drop this guy and get into your the into battalion as fast as possible, or drop this guy and you put, like, madcap skills on him or something like that, and you've got a really aggressive start, you know? Hard to deal with. And then you just mug him. Yeah, I know, you could say that about any strategy, though. Any no. strategy that you could come up, you could say, I'll just do that to it. And
1: yeah, I suppose... It relies
0: suppose, yeah. on having a very specific answer. There's not that many two-mana removal spells that can deal with... St- something that's attacking you with uh, enchantment on it, making it better, or... Um, You
1: know... This is the problem. You've justified... The Foundry Street Denizen as good if you can put Madcap Skills on it. Most things become good when you put Madcap Skills on it. Because Madcap Skills is a good card.
0: But but what I'm talking about here is that he's a good target for Madcap Skills, or equivalent cards, because he wouldn't normally warrant a removal spell from your opponent. So... He now becomes something that a remo- removal spell gets used on. And, like, outside the madcap skills, he's still a 1-1 which activates your battalion a turn earlier than if you wait till turn two. 2. I mean, I know he's not fantastic, but really there aren't many better options for playing a 1-drop when you want to be hitting battalion as soon as possible.
1: Uh, I don't say he's better in the Dutiful than Dutiful Thriller and a straight Boros deck, but I'll be honest, most of the time I'm playing Boros off. I always end up playing Boros off if I'm playing... Either, if I started with Orzhov or Boros, I ended up playing Boros off.
0: I can understand the reasoning behind that, but if you're playing a really aggressive deck like that, you're really wanting to bog yourself down with being three colours. Yeah, I mean, are, are you saying playing Boros off is a better strategy than playing one mana, one ones in a Boros deck? Straight, pure sort of Boros deck?
1: No, I haven't thought about that enough to answer that question. <laughs> Okay,
0: okay. But I mean yeah, he's he's, he's I mean it's not amazing. He's gonna to die to a lot and he's a really rubbish late game draw. But he's a one one for one. He's a one mana guy which will get you onto your battalion.
1: So the, the only thing going for him though is the fact he's a one mana creature.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it.
1: Okay. As long as, that can as, long as...
0: and can sometimes do damage. And he's so irrelevant your opponent will not want to use a removal spell on him, even if you do make him better. <laughs> but to be
1: honest, he's also so relevant and the chances are, the second he attacks, he gets blocked and killed.
0: Yeah, I know, but then the next turn you play another guy, you know.
1: So, hmm, I suppose. okay. Um, uh, what else would you like to go for?
0: Uh Can we talk about Thespian Stage?
1: Oh, I, I would love to. I love Thespian Stage, <laughs> but not unlimited.
0: Right, okay. So, Thespian Stage is a uh, land. You can tap it for one mana, uh, one colourless mana, or you can pay two colourless mana and tap it, and this main stage becomes a copy of another land and gains this ability.
1: Yeah. Best case scenario, you pay two mana and tap it, which is kind of like paying three mana, because you can't use it for mana, and then it copies a gate or a jewel land. Yeah. And then from there on out, you've got an extra option of mana, basically.
0: Yeah, but it costs you three mana just a to, load. Be able,
1: three mana to basically give you some slight extra flexibility.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose an argument can be made that it gives you exactly what you need when you need it. You just have to pay for it.
1: And it's, but it's a, it's extortionate cost just to sort of yeah. fix your mana slightly. Cause it's not, it's not giving you an extra mana source. Like you still had the one colourless mana.
0: Right, last two cards in the pack come round. One is Thespian Stage, and the other is Prophetic Prism. Which one is it, Craig? It's
1: (laughs) Prophetic Prism.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's not even a contest, is it? Because you're getting the same unconditional mana fixing. Yeah. With less cost, really.
1: I mean, okay, Prophetic Prism is cheaper now, this is the problem. It costs two to start off with, and if you need the colour of mana, then it costs you an extra mana to fix. Mm. At that stage, it sort of becomes the same cost as Thespian Stage, except for Thespian Stage is the one land you play a turn, Prophetic Prism isn't the one land you play a turn, and then Prophetic Prism also draws you a card. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not quite comparing apples to apples, but... You know, yeah. I mean, another thing, the festivation stage, if you're really stuck for mana, the chances are in a turn or two, you're probably going to get the second source of mana you need or the gate or whatever so it is like.
0: Yeah, you might not, but there's better ways of fixing it, isn't there? You know. You'd yeah. be better just putting another coloured source in your deck. Here's here's an interesting conversation we had. uh was maybe a couple of weeks ago now, but we're talking about the Gruul Guildmage and his ability to make a land into a four-four creature. Here's, okay. I think I think we figured it out, but so I'll ask you in your judginess. <laughs> uh-huh. So you make you make your land into a four-four creature.
1: Okay.
0: This stage, you activate this being stage to make a copy of that land is. Theatrical stage, a four-four creature, forever and ever.
1: I don't think you've asked the right question there. I'm trying to think of how to answer this.
0: Uh, oh, you see, you're struggling to answer it. So no, no, no.
1: I, I, the the, the a- question. The answer to your question is no. Yeah, but it's a bit more complicated than that. So I. Yeah.
0: Shall I, shall I tell you what we decided, and you can tell me if we're right or not? Okay. Right. We decided that as that you don't become a copy... Well, you don't become a 4-4 land, because that's not a copyable thing. Like, you can only copy things which are actually printed on cards. So, it would become a swamp, or an island, but the... becoming a 4-4 guy isn't a copyable effect. That's what we decided.
1: Yeah, that's that's roughly where I was going to go. I was trying to look at the rules for it, but yeah, that's roughly the thing. So, you've got... uh, You've got a land, which then scarred Guildmate targets and the land becomes a 4-4 four, four elemental creature, as well as a land. Yeah. But when, yeah, you, uh, copy the land, all you're doing is copying the base land. So it's sort of ignoring the fact it also happens to be a 4-4 four, four elemental creature this turn. Yeah. So if you've animated your mountain, uh, what you've got on the board is a basic land, creature, mountain, elemental. Yeah. But when you copy it, it only actually sees the basic land mountain.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, uh, it was interesting though, cause it's, it's like, uh, if you made a copy of something with a clone, you, and that copy, uh, the original had counters on it, you wouldn't get the counters on your clone. Yeah. Or you wouldn't get an enchantment that was on the clone. So it's the same thing that you, you don't get the, the ability that's been granted by the guild mage, you know. It wasn't me that came up with the, the answer. It was, it was actually Dan that came up with the answer. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was just a, we were talking about free file. It took a while to figure out exactly what the answer was or what the correct answer was.
1: I'm pretty sure that's correct insofar as, yeah, you're copying the base card, you're kind of ignoring the effects currently on it. I mean, it's a bit like saying, say you had a um, 2-2 creature and you had giant growth it, so it's now a 5-5. And if you copy that creature, is it a 5-5 version of this creature? No, mm-hmm. because that effect from giant growth isn't sort of copied. Similarly, the effect from Scar, Guild Mage isn't copied onto the
0: land.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, the nice way of summing that up is you can only copy what's printed on the card.
1: <laughs> Pretty much, isn't e- it? Yes. Unless um, it
0: says otherwise on the card you're casting.
1: I don't think there's anything which, in Gatecrash Limited, which would do that, but I'm sure in some places you'll be copying... You can copy effects, which I mean... Like, there's some cards which change the colour of cards, or the colour abilities. That may copy, depending, but... Mm. Um, this is not something which is going to come in Gate Crash, so su- yeah. suffice to say, if you copy an animated land with Vespian stage, you're just getting a baseland, unanimated, uninteresting.
0: What about, sorry, I'm going into this a bit, this is ah. a bit of a tangent from what we're talking about. What about, uh, what, what's the card called? It's X and two Simic. And creatures you control become... Bio mass, biomass. Biomass yeah. mutation. It's X
1: and then double hy the two double hybrid Simic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So would, are they copyable as they become XX things? They, they, it is a 3-3. Three, oh, three.
1: right. So if you cast biomass mutation where X equals three, making everything a 3-3. Three, three.
0: Yeah. Here we go. Biomass mutation. There we go.
1: Okay. And then if you copied what a creature. Yeah. Um, you would just get the creature as printed. See, unfortunately, what you're asking me, this is to do with layers. This is basically how things are applied. Like, say you've cast, you've got a 1-1 creature, you've cast biomass mutation for 3, making it a 3-3, it's got an aura on it, changing its power and toughness, it's got a counter on it, changing its power and toughness, Um, you've cast giant growth on it, changing its power and toughness, and the question is, this is to do with layers, and in which order do things apply? Mm. And that is not something I know. It's not something a level one judge is meant to know. It's actually a specific weakness to me that I don't... Like, I can probably answer your question, but I can't tell you the why.
2: Yeah, yeah. So,
1: like, I can tell you that if you copy a creature affected by biomass mutation, it just becomes whatever is printed on the card.
2: Yeah.
0: I just can't
1: explain to you the why.
0: However, if, if biom- bi- biomass mutation read, creatures you control become blue, and you then, copy it, it would be a blue creature.
1: Um... <laughs> Possibly. Again, this is to do with layers. Yeah, okay. I'm not a percentage, like, is, I, is I, I, unfortunately, I'm sorry, I'm only a level one judge. I was a yeah. level two or just a bit more educated, but this is, this is something which we've, uh, um, another judge has specifically noted as a weakness in my knowledge. So, I can, I can only really tell you, if you've done biomass mutation, you copy a creature, it does not become the same size as the biomass mutation, it just becomes what's printed on the card. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is one of these ones we don't know the answer, but we will find out before next week i update you on
1: it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm right. I'm just not sure how to explain uh, the explanation, but okay. Yeah. Okie okay, dokes. It's,
0: it's, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I don't know.
1: There's nothing wrong with saying that. No, I know that. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right. I just can't say yeah. why, which means I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> okay. But I, I'm, yeah. Yeah. A- ask, ask a level two or higher judge. They should go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, okay. What should we do now then, Craig?
1: Have we touched on Executioner's Swing enough? I'm pretty sure I've berated it
0: in the past. Mm, yeah, I mean, we've definitely mentioned it in the past. I would just take the stance again that if you're playing Orzhov, you're gaining lives and losing lives doesn't hurt so much, but it's pretty weak.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you take damage, then you may be able to kill the creature.
0: But That's... then again, you know what? There, this is what I've said before earlier about the mad, tap skills situation, there's not that many removal spells at two mana, you know? So, yeah. you might just be glad you put it in sometimes for dealing with early threats, you know? Maybe even a sideboard card for those sort of situations, you know?
2: Hmm.
1: I don't think there's any other card I suppose... Oh, uh, have we touched Realm right?
0: We- <laughs> the one one. Yeah. It makes islands. Why would you want to make all your things islands, Craig? No, it doesn't make everything islands. Oh, it would blue. In addition, don't they? Uh, no, no,
1: no, I think you What
0: do they do? Realm right?
1: Realm right, he, <laughs> so we touched on him before, but we didn't explain the land, uh, the rules. So Realm right, he costs a single blue. He's a Vidokan Wizard. He's a 1-1. As Realm right enters the battlefield, you choose a basic land type, oh, and then yeah. lands you control are the chosen type in addition to their other types.
0: Okay, fair enough. Just what, I still remember the last time I saw him in play, it was Islands, so I got chosen. And that's what's mixing me up. And then, I... Pushing you know, from my mind. You know what?
1: I'm that's actually like, looking at him now, and I'm not quite sure I want to have a go at him terribly much. Really?
0: What? Okay, I want you to give me.
1: Okay, I'll defend three it. Three so reasons.
0: I, three reasons to put him in your deck.
1: Um, mana fixing. Sketchy. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, if he's in your opening hand and you've got two of your three lands you need, you play him and say the land you don't have yet.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, that's actually that's that's it. I mean. That's <laughs> I don't know. That, I feel like that's a good enough reason. I mean, I realise, as a 1-1, he's useless in combat. uh He's not even in the Boros colours, so he can't even help out with Boros attacking. But he fixes your mana.
2: The yeah, he pr- does, the,
1: doesn't he? The key problem, I think, is if you play him late, then you probably don't need the mana fixing. And then he's just a really useless 1-1. and. yeah. Actually, maybe the key problem is if you open Realm Rights as your first pack, first
0: pick... There's something there, not there? There
1: has to be something better. <laughs> um, I don't think it's terribly bad, but... Yeah, just, you, you need him early. Yeah, yeah. You need him early, and that's assuming you've got issues with your mana, otherwise you kind of randomly name a land, and then you end up just getting flooded of that colour and you're just like, oh, yeah, crap.
0: I mean it wouldn't be so bad if it was in a colour that kinda of wanted one drops. Like, I'm not sure that your Simic decks and your Demure decks want a one one with no evasion. You
1: know? Well it's not that, I think it's just uh would you prefer Clothrin Raptor, Experiment One, or the Realm Right? And I bet the Realm Right's your third pick there.
0: Yeah, oh well, yeah. Yeah,
1: I yeah, see. Um, that's a problem with Civic. as for Dimir, Um
0: But then you do get messy decks that have mana all over the place, and it could be really handy in those sort of situations. I mean,
1: he gets better the more colours you're playing, but then he also becomes a bit harder to cast
0: the more colours
1: you're playing. Yeah, this is true. If you have him in your opening hand, do you have the blue source? No? Well...
0: Mm, uh, yeah. I don't like him, Craig.
1: Okay. I mean, I, well, I wouldn't first pick him. He should yeah. probably go reasonably late. I mean, he's sort of like the, oh, that's the only blue card left. Ah, I'll take it. Yeah. And then occasionally he'll do some work, and then occasionally he'll just be a really useless 1-1 which can barely evolve anything, I mean.
0: And is, is there any way to abuse this in the set? Is there any way to say having lots of swamps or having lots of islands is a great thing? He can possibly counter
1: contaminated ground, but again, that's a layers question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, because uh, yeah, because when he comes into play, you're saying all oh, the lands are of a chosen type, but then if you contaminate ground, that may just override. We were it. just
0: we were just arguing how bad contaminated ground was. I don't yeah, think, I thought we can argue that it's now a good reason to have a realm right.
1: No, no, no. Um, no, I can't see a way to abuse us. Um,
0: yeah,
1: unless you're playing Sunburst, in which case you're not playing Limited, so bad on you.
0: Yeah. No, Nah. 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 Not impressed, Realm well, I'm Rate, right, go home.
1: <laughs> yep. I don't think there's anything else I really want to touch on. Uh, uh, I mean, wh- one thing we can just generally say, I think Gate Crash has less really bad cards than Return to Ravnica.
0: Yeah, just out and out, oh my god, is this what's left in the pack cards? Because <laughs> a lot of them you can find uses for, you know. Yeah, they, they have a borderline, you know.
1: A very narrow or borderline place, yeah.
0: I mean other cards that made us did we talk Tin Street Market? Or
1: Ugh. Yeah, Tin Street Market. I agree. Uh, Guild Scorn Ward just yeah. really doesn't do enough. Um uh, didn't talk about Tower Defence. Have you ever played Tower Defence? Do you even know what Tower Defense is?
0: Yeah, I know what Tower Defence is. Do you play it? Uh, uh, no. But I mean I think my reason for disliking tower defence is different from what like it's, it's more of a flavor type th- reason I don't like it. Okay. And that you get these instant speed towers which allow you to defend in the air, which appear instantaneously, yay, we've got our towers. And then they disappear again. It's like, hmm <laughs> you know we no. stop but well, we don't need those towers anymore. <laughs> sure.
1: I mean tower defence creates for me just that tower defense is like a genre of computer games nowadays. And it's that's eh, it's a bit like launch party. It's that sort of like you're naming it after like a real thing, and it kind of grates for that reason.
0: Yeah, I wasn't even aware of that. I wasn't uh, even aware of that one. Craig.
1: Oh, I love tower defense games, but <laughs> um, in fact, I would highly recommend. Uh, now, it's just getting my mind defense grid.
0: All right, I'm writing that down now, Craig.
1: I highly recommend Defense Grid. For anyone listening who likes Tower Defense, I highly recommend Defense Grid because there's sort of a storyline to it, and there's sort of a narrator, and the narrator is charming, humorous, and I do believe British if you have a thing for the British accent. Oh. Um, and there's also an add-on which is uh, portal related, so if you like Glados, then Glados becomes the narrator. So, yes. Uh, defense Grid. Really good Tower Defense game.
0: Back Uh, to magic. Yeah,
1: (laughs) nothing to do with magic at all. Nothing to do with magic.
0: Okay, where are we, Craig?
1: Uh, Right, listing off other cards we don't like. uh, We've mentioned Mark for Death in the past. It was one of your bust cards.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm still kind of down on that, to be fair. I mean, it's one of those ones that just promises so much and usually doesn't deliver.
1: Uh, Course Confession, I think we mentioned before, just is a lot of mana, not drawing you generally enough cards.
0: Yeah, although, it, you know what? It, it's one of these ones that seem to get played against me, and just the way things have worked out have worked well in favour of my opponent. They've like drawn two or three cards each time, and I'm like, <clears throat> that shouldn't happen. Yeah, just, just wrong. Stop, stop beating the odds. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I know I'm right, but
1: <laughs> it's gonna happen, and yeah, yeah it happens a lot. You think you're wrong, but. Hold on to your beliefs.
0: Yeah, I'm standing by them. Standing by them. I think
1: that's all the cards we can really mention.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I keep thinking more (laughs) hinder vines. Are you sure? Are you sure there's less cards in gate crash that are? In fact, we serene remembrance, Craig. We touched on it earlier. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: God.
1: You don't like it? No. Okay, so serene remembrance, a single green. For sorcery, allows oh, you to shuffle Serene Remembrance and up to three target cards from a single graveyard into their owner's libraries.
0: Right. So, are, really, are you main decking this?
1: Um, 23rd playable? Uh, playable? That's being generous. Um, I don't know. I mean, it. You can... If you're getting milled, you can pull all the creatures which have been killed out of your graveyard, making the... White like to Precinct 6 and the Death's, uh, presence, less useful. Or maybe just t- turning it back to zero. You, if they've been, um if they've been milled, uh, self-milling somehow or, or they've been stuff, you could put all the lands back into their deck. And
2: <sighs>
1: it's, it's, yeah. it's not great. I mean, I'll be honest, the only time I've seen Serene Remembrance used was against me by you in Minimaster. <laughs> You're constantly putting rubbish cards back into my deck, which just really screwed up my game. And it was great there, but Minimaster... Yeah,
0: Master really good in Minimaster,
1: isn't it? But Minimaster is quite a different format.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it. Serene Remembrance would be a different card altogether if it said, shuffle Serene Remembrance and up to three target cards in a single graveyard into their owner's library and then draw a card. That would be different.
1: It would have to be one in a green
0: yeah, but that's, sure, not, yeah. that's not the world we live in, Craig. That's no, a, that's, that's an alternate plane of existence. Because not, not magic cards make sense.
1: Not only does it repla- not replace itself, but it puts itself back in your library to be drawn again and still not replaced.
0: Yeah, and yeah, oh yeah, and you're drawing it again. Like it's like, oh my god, i will just cast this serene remembrance because I was sick of looking at it in my hand, and now instead of drawing an actual useful card, I've just drawn serene remembrance again. Bah.
1: Two good things about Serene Remem- Actually, three good things about Serene Remembrance. One, the flavour text. Two, the artwork. And three, I quite like the name, actually. Mm. Yeah. But that is me being a complete another Vorthos and not as a looking at this card as a card which I cast and does stuff. So.
0: Yeah, that doesn't do enough, Craig. Yeah, flavour
1: doesn't really help me win games.
0: Yeah. I keep thinking we're wrapping this up, but... Keep thinking of more things to to, uh, to slate.
1: You can keep slating. I'm happy to wrap up whenever you're done.
0: Okay, okay. I mean, it's fair to say that if we didn't have bad cards, we'd have we wouldn't have good cards.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, the, things are only good when you compare them to something else. If everything's the same, nothing's good, nothing's bad. It's just eh, and then magic comes eh. I mean, bad yeah. cards are designed for a reason. Not, I mean it. Part of the skill of magic, whether it's limited or not, is being able to look at a card and judge how good it is, where it fits into strategies, and that's why there's bad cards. And also, yeah. to balance limited, I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes you need to play bad cards, because, it's, yeah, it's just, it is part of the game, it's intentional yeah. most of the time. I mean, I'm sure there's cards which are bad, which weren't meant to be, but...
0: Yeah, the thought it would be better or
1: But yeah. you know, um there's really good cards, there's really bad cards. They're all there to make the game more interesting, so they're a necessary evil.
0: Yay. Yay for bad cards. But bad cards, we salute you.
1: And then we just play all the thrag tusks and Boros recognise. <laughs> or we just play Commander, just grab our ninety nine favourite card and Giora, because we're clearly playing isn't
0: Yay, Is it Man I can't wait to get to play again. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, I I used to really enjoy my sort of aggro-controlled X. Wrapping this up? Yeah, I think so.
1: Okay. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening through this. (laughs) Uh, Remember... uh, It's It's been
0: a bit of a ramble, hasn't it, Craig? (laughs) uh,
1: Yeah, my tongue just got tired there as well. Um, remember if you want to get in touch with us you can do so via Tumblr, Facebook, Gmail and Twitter. Your hosts for this week were me Craig and you Steve That's me! The intro and outro music is by Kevin McLeod. The name of the song is The Cannery and it is royal for free music licensed under the Creative Commons by Tributation 3.0